This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello, and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Looking to create your own indoor jungle, or even just add a couple of houseplants, but keep them alive? Hello, I'm Miranda. Welcome to this episode. Today I'm chatting to Hilton Carter, houseplant expert, author, and interior stylist who shares with us the what, where, and how of growing and styling houseplants in your home. I started by asking him why are houseplants so important, and where do beginners most commonly go wrong? Well, for me, it's the thought of reflecting or transporting oneself, let's say, to those special moments where you possibly were maybe on vacation, you guys like to say holiday, um, surrounding yourself uh, in areas where you saw palm trees or particular types of ferns or uh, foliage that you typically just don't see growing native to wherever you live here in Baltimore. Um, we won't, you won't find yourself uh, under the canopy, let's say, of a palm tree outdoors, right? So when it comes to the indoor space, we're trying to create that same sort of oasis, that same sort of look, that same sort of feel that you remember when, or for me, when I remember being in places like Costa Rica, Mexico City, Tulum, um, when I was in Tokyo, things that remind me of those those moments where I felt uh, completely at ease, completely uh, my true self. So um, when we're looking at fiddly figs or fan palms or any sort of cacti, let's say, especially for someone like myself living here uh, in this region, those are things that... Uh, put me in those elements, uh, transport me to those spaces without 
me having to go there. I'm creating that space for myself. Now, when it comes to care and plant parenting and the influx of plant parents over the last year, due to the pandemic, I believe a lot of people found themselves in spaces that they didn't feel a part of, they didn't feel comfortable in, and they didn't realize that because before they were only using it as a place to lay their head, possibly. They didn't really consider the, let's say, the touches that can really spark imagination, creativity, a sense of calmness, like maybe the color of your walls. You never really thought what that could actually do to your emotions, your attitude. And just like everyone, especially myself, when I talk about myself in this respect, is the trial and error phase, right? You begin to learn what you're doing wrong. And you find ways, hopefully, you find ways to remedy remedy those situations and make sure that your plants are living the best lives possible. But I think that a lot of individuals wanted to um, fast forward that process and just go zero to Oasis, right? Like right away during the pandemic or just over the past few years, honestly. And I think what they are missing from the beginning is understanding like everyone when it comes to bringing plants in is that the one thing that greenery needs is light. And based on the type of light you have, you should be thinking whether or not that plant can really thrive. And I say thrive that way because, I mean, we have plants that can tolerate lower amounts of light, right? And I think there's this misconception out there that there are plants that love low light. I preach about this uh, very often about the idea that we have to consider plants living things and understand that while we can all survive or tolerate particular types of environments. That's not what we really want to live in, right? We want to thrive in spaces. Uh, that's why people wanted to um, elevate their spaces over the pandemic because they wanted to thrive in that space, not just survive, not just tolerate the situation. So thinking about the type of light you have first and also thinking about what your care level is as well, thinking about the type of person you are. People need to know where they sit as far as their care level so they can be better for the plants that they are bringing in. I love the way you've compared it to being a cat person or a dog person because I think it really makes it quite an easy way to understand. And you don't mean literally. I mean, it might be literally. But the way that if you're somebody who's going to commit to those daily walks, that attention... You know, there are plants you can cope with or thrive <laughs> with. And then if, sure. you're, if you want plants that are more independent, more like your, your cat lovers, um, yeah. th- those are, those are going to be plants, probably the same plants the dog person can have, but they can't have all the plants a dog person can have. Is, is that a correct it's, way? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think if you're breaking it down with that sort of, um, if, if you're breaking it down that way, for me, uh, cat people, dog people, people both loving animals right they both have the want to have animals in their space um they're both seeing them as living things knowing that they have to do certain uh things to make sure that that animal stays alive right but like you said like a a dog person is committing to a daily um job almost right like you know that you're gonna have to 
do the things that a cat person won't. A dog person has to wake up early, whatever, actually, has to wake up, take the dog out for a walk at least four, maybe five times a day, depending on the age of the, of the pup. And regardless of the elements, where I live, where you live, there's snow, there's rain, there's heat, there's all these different things. And if you're someone who's committed to having a dog, you're like, I don't care if it's snowing to the, tomorrow or today. I don't care if it's 100 degrees today. I know I have to do what I have to do to make sure that this dog stays healthy and that I don't have any accidents in my home, right? Um, you also know that you have to, when you leave town, you have to put that dog in a place uh, even for a day, you have to take that dog to someone or someone has to come over and care for that pup, that pup while you're away. It's the opposite for cats in a way. If you went away for a day, you could just leave some water and some food out and your cats will probably be fine. Your cats don't need you to wake up early or go anywhere. They have their little receptacle for you to scoop up their business and put <laughs> it away when, when necessary. Uh, they don't require much as far as the demand, right? They require the same sort of love, let's not get that wrong, but um, they don't ask a lot for the parent that is caring for them. So it's the same when it comes to plants. I identify what types of plants are going to ask more of you. And if you're the person that is ready to spend that time with them, maybe bring. Maybe you have the ability to bring those plants in. But if you're someone who's thinking, well, I don't want to have to spend uh, every single day watering a plant or every single week. I like to travel. I'm a bit forgetful. Those things you should be thinking about so you can have better success. So you can have better success because that's what it is at the end of the day. A lot of people talk about plants making people happy and being excited about bringing plants into their homes, but they never talk about the negative side of seeing plants die, right? Or seeing issues with your plants. So which, as examples, are our kind of more independent plants, the plants that are going to require less commitment from you and more likely to survive if you're a little bit forgetful? And then which plants do you really need to be quite committed with? Would you give us maybe three to five of each? For sure. Um, if you're someone who isn't uh, familiar, I would say, with plant care and just bringing them in and trying to get your roots wet, let's say, um, the snake plant Really quick before I go into this, apologies to all the snake plants, the ZZ plants, the Chinese evergreens, uh, the golden pothos of the world. I apologize that I keep sending all of these people who probably don't care much or know much about plants your way to make them bring you into their homes and uh, for you to suffer the consequences. Uh, but... Those are the plants I would say, for the most part, are going to be the ones that will uh, cause the less stress, but also stay beautiful in uh, your homes as, let's say, the typical uh, novice or someone who isn't uh, into the want to watering every single week. The ZZ plant, snake plant, golden pothos, a lot of the pothos uh, family, um, your Chinese evergreens, uh, some of your cacti as well. If you have the right type of light, Cacti and succulents are perfect for any individual who is just um, want, wanting to bring in greenery, but not wanting to spend a ton of time with care, especially if you travel um, often. You can come home after a week and they'll still be there, um, ready for you to still not water them, <laughs> probably. Uh, your ZZ plants, your snake plants are kind of like that as well. It's making sure that you're aware of the types of plants that uh, require less watering because at the end of the day most plant parents uh tend to overwater and that's where most 
issues occur is the fact that we tend to want to overwater because we care so much. We're like, you need a drink. You have to want a drink. Uh, All of us need water, so you should have another drink. And that plant's like, no, don't do that to me. That's not the type of plant I am. I I get a lot of my energy based on light. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. Um, Some of my favorite... um, uh, (laughs) Favorite busy, busy plants, those that oh God, they make they cause so much stress in your life just because you just have to go there every single day. But I love it. It's kind of like uh, I set it up as a, a routine, right? Like my my routine of getting up in the morning and making coffee is the same for these plants. So uh, my Australian tree fern, shout out to anyone who has an Australian tree fern. If you're seeing the beauty develop in front of your eyes, you are a lucky person. They are beautiful, beautiful plants. Um the larger they grow, the more impactful they are in a home, and I love seeing that happen. Uh, so that plant to me is one of the one of my favorites right now. And if you ask if about my favorites, that's going to come up on that list. Um, another one that uh, requires a lot of attention, I would say, would probably be if you're a dog person trying to tend to a plant all the time, more than likely would be a fiddle leaf fig. Those are some of the staple plants. That's a pretty finicky plant, so a dog person would be uh, available to make themselves um, uh, in tuned, let's say, with the, the, the nuances that can change in the color of the foliage, checking out those leaves, wiping them down, and, and given that the fiddle leaf fig is one of, the most, one of the most popular plants right now and also the most finicky, I would say, I would leave that to the dog uh, parents, right? Um, also, I would probably mention uh, the maidenhair fern, ferns in general, can be uh, uh, left to people who really want to spend time. I would also say air plants, honestly. I get a lot of questions about air plants and people who just have them but then end up killing them. And there's a lot of misconceptions there, and I think air plants are something that people shouldn't know about. They can be very simple plants to care for, but um, because they are known to be simple, a lot of people struggle with them. What are people doing wrong? They're thinking that air plants get, just get all their moisture from air. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's what that's that's happening for the most part. Um, so many people have just said, "What I need to water this plant as well." Uh, is that something? Others um, they find themselves overwatering in the sense that they allow that moisture uh, to build up in almost like the base of their air plants, which could then which does rot that base of the air plant out, or they're just not giving it enough moisture. So it's all about knowing that while you should be putting your your air plants, just like other plants, in the perfect type of light that they require, you also got to make sure that they're getting the right sort of moisture. While they're not in soil, you should be giving them water. They love it. Heck of a lot of light, don't they? I'm thinking of mine they, that's doing they well. Love, they love really great light. Bright indirect light is what I love to talk about. But direct sun isn't a good thing, right? We talk about that as well. But uh, the more, every single plant, please, everyone hear me out. The more light, and we're not talking about direct sun, we're talking about exposure. Um, the more bright, the indirect light, let's say you give a light, not direct sun, of any plant, those plants will thrive. No plant is looking for a dark, low-lit spot in your home. It's not what it's looking for. But it's interesting because, again, the bathroom, I think, is great because I have frosted glass in my bathroom, and this is something you've mentioned as well. You know, for Diffusing sure. the light helps. Do you want to sure. tell us a bit about that? Yeah, for me, uh, it's, it's the idea, like, trying to 
recreate or mimic the elements that these plants are coming from in nature, like trying to recreate that in your home, right? Like the bathroom is perfect for plants that love humidity, right? If you have a if you have a window in your in your bathroom, please go for it. Put all those plants that love humidity, but um, don't put a cactus in there. Right? <laughs> Two reasons: they don't like that humidity. Two. It's not a safe spot for your sensitive <laughs> skin. <laughs> you know, let's be let's be aware of that as well. But um, yeah, I think I think being able to understand that we all don't uh, we all don't have the luxury of having large south facing windows, right? Um, if you have let's say a western facing window in your bathroom or in your home, but you want to have all these beautiful plants uh, sitting in the windowsill, but you know that direct sun is going to basically burn all of your foliage, maybe protect those plants by putting maybe some frosted uh, diffusion up on those windows. They sell uh, sheets of, of diffusion, frosted sheets that can help diffuse that light and give you that even glow of, of indirect light. So it's all about thinking, if we start with thinking about our plants as living things, and thinking about what they require to live, just like anyone does when they think about their pets, whether it's your pet turtle, your pet parakeet. I don't want to leave those folks out. You know, like I know we got some turtle lovers out there, some some bunny lovers as well. You go before you go and buy a bunny. You do some research, right? You figure out what they need to eat, where they're going to um, handle their business, what things might be toxic to them that might hurt them. Um, how will they best uh, be cared for? And then you create the space for that bunny to live and thrive, right? So, I think that's the same situation when it comes to your plants. Is as long as you're thinking about what that plant needs to thrive and you can set that situation up for that plant, you don't have to do much work after that. Uh, well, there's a lot of other stuff you have to do, but what I'm saying is if you set it up in the right space, it will at least alleviate a lot of the other stresses, right? If you give your plant the best light it possibly can need, there aren't, uh, there aren't so many other things after that that are going to be causing issues. So if you have really great light, now all you got to do is focus on moisture of your soil. And then as your plant grows, then you have to repot it or thinking about the soil medium that you're providing that plant and then fertilizing it, right? But you don't have to always think about, man, I'm not getting this light right. What is going on with my plant? Something's wrong. Is it this? Is it that? As long as you know you have the light correct, at least that's one box you always have checked off, right? I want to come back to care, but I have to absolutely take advantage of the fact that you're an interior stylist. I mean, a lot of us, you know, we're very used to outdoor gardening and we just kind of go, ah, we love plants, let's put them everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you have this eye and this way of combining both skill sets and you make these incredible, these incredible vibes is the word you use. And, Ooh, I, and I think yeah. it's, it, it is very key and I think that's what we're trying to do. But as plant people, a lot of, a lot of us are just like, I love plants, but I don't really know. Can yeah. you give us some tips? I mean, in particular, I love your ideas about holeless hanging plants. How can we easily create that planty vibe in our house? What are some easy ways? Uh, well, for one, I mean, 
it's all about having um, some sort of eye for all of it, right? At the end of the day, regardless if you're someone with a uh, artistic bone in your body, you have a a, a want and 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 uh, an idea of what your space could could use to spruce it up a bit, right? So, for me, I think when it comes to adding greenery, it's all about what can what can make your space pop in some sort of way without causing it to become a bit, let's say, cluttered or overwhelming while you're looking to utilize every single, let's say, um, area of your home, whether it's the the walls, whether it's the floors, whether it's the windowsills, um, you also want to be considerate of the work that will be necess- that will be needed when you are painting a plant high up in a window or like I've done in the past over my bed. All the work that would happen that would be needed for me to then go up there and water the plant, maybe take it down, take it to you know, all the things that are going to come up. So when it comes to plant styling, it's all it's first it's first things first, just like everything else uh, when it comes to plant care is understanding care of the plant. Right. Once you know what type of light you have and what types of plants can thrive in that light, then you get to have all the fun you possibly can. You get to go, okay, now that I know that I have this particular corner of my home where I want a plant to go, I know it gets X amount of light. Here are the plants that are really great for that type of light. Then you get to go, well, well, based on the area, if it's a high traffic area, maybe let's think about plants that can either sit higher in that space, maybe placing a plant on a wall, utilizing the wall space like a staghorn fern or a propagation wall. That's That helps when it comes to, let's say, breaking up your gallery walls where you have your 2D art. I, I, I love the propagation wall. So I just want you, to, for people that haven't seen your book, Wild Creations, which is full of lovely ideas of projects like this, will you Thank just you. explain the propagation wall? Because I, I can't just let you skip through <laughs> it like that. It's, it's fantastic. So explain what it does and how it looks. Please. Well, of course, of course. I mean, and well, thank you for bringing that up. I think the idea of, of well, for one, propagating is one of my uh, favorite things to do. Um, it's one of the things that got me, that pushed me, I will say, into plants. It kind of, um, it kind of helped me in the process of understanding care and understanding um, uh, the the importance of of life and how one plant can can be taken. You can take a piece from one plant and then create more of that same plant. And then also the the excitement behind sharing with others. I love that about propagation. So creating a wall. It doesn't have, and it doesn't have to. For me, I've 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 placed it as an entire wall, almost like a living wall of sorts. But it doesn't always have to be a full-on wall. It could just be multiple vessels that are holding cuttings that will bring that that foliage, that living uh, greenery. We now then create living art. And are you using small vases or test tubes? What do you find works well, best and how are well, you holding them to the wall? Honestly, it, it all depends on the type of cutting that you have, right? The bigger the plants, the bigger the branches, stems, whatever that is, you might want to find bigger uh, vessels that can hold those cuttings. But for the project in the book, I actually suggest using recycled bottles, right? Like a lot of, there's a lot of there's been a push on glass bottles, especially for your 
um, water or whatever sort of soft drinks. I don't know what you guys call them there, but soda. That's <laughs> uh, what we call it here. Um, you probably just call it soda. I don't even know why I'm making a... Fizzy drinks. It doesn't sound fizzy, as exciting. Fizzy, yeah. fizzy, fizzy drinks. I love fizzy <laughs> drinks. And when I say that, I love that you call it fizzy drinks, and I also love fizzy drinks. So um, there's a lot of those that come in glass bottles now, and I'm thinking every time I throw a glass bottle out, I'm like, why don't we just reuse that for propagation, right? So in the book, it suggests possibly utilizing those as a way to propagate. And I would say the opening, the the diameter of those are pretty small, probably about most cases, uh, inch, uh, three quarters inch. You guys work in centimeters. So that's about... It's it's a couple of centimeters at most, isn't it? Exactly. I was going to ask you, they are narrow. Compared to using a test tube, that is quite a narrow. So you're only using it for a short while, I guess. Exactly. Well, you only use well for most cases. It depends on what you're looking to do. If you're looking to have that wall, have these cuttings live in the wall, that could be a, uh, um, that that could be an issue, right? But if you're looking to just develop roots and then remove those and pot them or transition them into uh, a pot to gift, I think that's a better situation. So that you're always um, this pro- this this work of art is always a work in progress, right? It's always ever it's it's forever changing and developing and morphing, kind of like plants are, right? Like they're always growing, just kind of like we are as well, right? Um, so I think I think that's what's really amazing about having a propagation vessel on the wall, whether it's with multiple as a living wall, or if it's just a single piece. So just to to clarify, these are sort of glass bottles filled with just water, and then you've t- cut the stem at the right place and popped stems of different plants in and it, and it looks really fantastic. So it's really nice. And you can do it on a table and a vase, can't you? I love this idea because it looks like just a display, but you're making new plants. That is absolutely correct. That's so funny. I literally just have this. Look, I got a, I got my new little vessel here. <laughs> He's you're, showing you're, me. I yeah, have to tell them. <laughs> He's showing me basically it's te- about four test tubes in a wooden rack, which are, I, I've seen them in the shops. It's such a cute way, isn't it? There it is. It? Exactly. But when they're talking, about, oh, thank you for that as well. Well, but when you're talking about um, creating, and I don't want, and, and I know that the the florists of the world out there are probably like, Hilton, how dare you? Uh, because, <laughs> because I'm saying, basically, that you don't have to always utilize flowers um, to create bouquets to place in the center of your table. Um, but, um, so I forgive me all of the beautiful florists out there who are creating amazing work. Um, I appreciate your work. I often will have a bouquet of flowers in my home, but, um, I do think it is nice to, to switch it up, let's say, and utilize your, some of your favorite beautiful vases and take cuttings from your plants and then you become that floral designer where you're taking different types of cuttings and putting them together in this vase to make your own little bouquet of cuttings what's great about that is that if as long as you have them in the proper light they'll consistently live in that vessel right wherever you're placing them and they'll through over time develop roots which means you can then pot them later which would you say are the easiest foliage houseplants to take cuttings from? What would be your starter um, guide? Honestly, I would start with any sort of philodendron. Off top, I would say your philodendron family are going to be the easiest plants to propagate. And if you know philodendron, you know there's a wild, wild world of uh, philodendron out there for you to uh, tap into. 
And a lot of us are into it. There's like a whole market now, very beautiful, fancy cover pots. That's what we call the pot you put the other pot inside. <laughs> well, you can plant straight into it, but that comes with problems, which is what I want to talk to you about. So you've got the pot of your dreams where you've been gifted a beautiful pot. It doesn't have any drainage holes. Why is this a problem? And are there a couple of different things you can do that you'd recommend? Drainage holes are important. Drainage holes release moisture that is not uh, necessary for your plants, your roots, let's say, to sit in. So um, that's of utmost important to make sure that that you have a pot that doesn't have that does have, let's say, a drainage hole. Now, if you're someone who is keeping your plant in its, we call the we call it its um, nursery pot or uh, the planter's pot, whatever you guys want to call it, that plastic container. Yeah, uh, what you bought it in. What yeah, you bought it in exactly. You can leave it in a pot that doesn't have a drainage hole as long as when you're watering it you're taking that plant elsewhere or you're just someone who has been very uh detailed in how much water you're giving that plant so when you water it you can see it kind of drain out into that um, pot that doesn't have a drainage and then you know for a fact that that's not going to be enough water to allow your roots to become rot rotted like root rot can occur to your plants and uh, then you should be fine there but i will suggest if you're someone who is who isn't going to take all of those extra steps, having a drainage hole can help you. Once you water that plant, the water can then come up the drainage hole into your base tray and you'll be better off for that. So you're drilling a hole if you need to, using a base tray underneath. That is exactly correct. Drill that hole. Hopefully um, you're, you're being aware of how uh, to drill that hole. <laughs> but, I mean, look, if you if you have a really amazing planter or vessel, it could be an old um, uh, ceramic, uh, I don't know, something that you want to use as a planter. There's so many different things that I've used as planters that um, don't have drainage holes and you try to drill the hole in it and it could shatter, right? So just be very careful in that process. But then once you have that drainage hole, you're going to need something that can catch that runoff water. So you've got a friend who doesn't know anything about houseplants, but really wants to kind of green up, bring that energy into their home. What plants, what three plants would you get them and what other kit would you get them? Um, Yeah, I think kind of hit on these earlier. As far as your plants, I would go, if I don't know their friend, I don't know their, their care level that well, I don't know where they plan to place these plants. I'd probably gift them, let's say, three plants. Mother-in-law's tongue. No, the snake plant, the sansevieria, um, the ZZ plant, and... Something hanging, maybe? Would you give them, like, a variety of stuff? I would give, yeah, I would give, them, a, a, I would give them a silver pothos. That's a beautiful plant. And I'd probably also give them a rattlesnake calathea. Um, it's a low-light-tolerant plant needs to be uh moist evenly moist um but again like i said that that's not a that's something that you can allow your friend give them give gift them also with that information and they'll be better off at caring for that plant so i love the 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 coloration um the foliage of the rattlesnake calathea so i would say that as well as far as like what to prepare them with as far as their their uh care kit 
I would give them some shears to prune their plants, also to propagate their plants properly. I would gift them a planter, a nice particular type of pot. And then more than likely at the end of all of it, I think what is really awesome, and I love getting these gifts, it doesn't matter how many I have, um, a really nice watering can. And I, I mentioned earlier that the hanging plants, because you've got some lovely tips about magnetic hooks, which I think are really interesting, using tension rods. What are some of the interior stylist sort of designs you're seeing people doing with house plants that you think are really cool? Well, what are some things? One, um, <laughs> I want to say that I've seen a lot of uh, uh, plant chandeliers uh, which I think is awesome. You better, you better explain that a little bit more for those <laughs> no, listening. I mean, it's not, look, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing uh, typically new. I think I just coined it as a plant chandelier um, in my book, but I'm pretty sure people have, se have seen the idea of it. Whether it's using florals and hanging over particular areas of your home, I just think that it's an, it's basically utilizing some sort of hanging device, whether that's a hanging planter uh, itself already or creating, let's say, your own sort of hanging uh, planter and placing plants in it so they can live and hang over a dining table or hang over the entryway of your home. Something that is what I like to call a statement piece, something that when you see it, you're like, what is happening here? Like, that is, uh, that reminds me uh, that I need to get more plants. No, <laughs> something that reminds people of, of, of the outdoors. Because when you're outside, you are hit at every single level of greenery, right? Like you're walking on grass, your toes are between the grass, your, your face is ducking branches, and then above you, there's all of this life of trees and foliage. And I think, um, uh, I think when you're styling a place and you're trying to create that sort of, or that blur, that line, let's say, you 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 want to consider all of those sort of uh, ways that plants can remind you of the outdoors. So uh, the, that plant chandelier is putting a plant higher in your space. If you're someone who's like me and you consider plants as, as work of arts, I I love seeing people um, either purchase or create uh, pedestals. While we talk about plant stands, it's elevating plant stands in a way that add a bit more to your decor versus just being a random chair or nightstand or whatever stool that you just grabbed is really presenting your plants in a way as art. And then lastly, I would think as far as just like how, how else have I seen people um, bring plants in in a stylish way, other than all the other things that I talk about or, or you might see um, online, I think People are investing in really beautiful planters, and and uh, a lot of great ceramicists are making planters that are are not only beneficial for the health of the plant, but also are designed in a way that elevates the the greenery itself. It complements the foliage or it stands out amongst the foliage as its own thing. Because I always say, it's not just the plant that you are bringing into your home, you're also bringing in its base. It's kind of like it's, uh, it's dress or it's, or it's, or it's um, uh, what do you guys call pants? Trousers. Trousers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> trousers. It's 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 the thing that you you know like uh you you walk out into the world to to present yourself. Your plant is doing the same thing. Its foliage and the way it looks is cool, but when you put it in a really awesome planter, that's the way you now get to create your own personal look. You get to make your space more unique to you versus uh, someone else. So Hilton, you've talked about nurturing what nurtures us. You've talked about the energy we can bring into our home with plants. How is it that houseplants can transform our lives? It's, it's hard for me to say this will work for, oh, works for everyone. But I can I can speak for me and how it has transformed my life. Before bringing in plants, I was a very stressed individual. A lot of a lot of um, I would say time spent worrying about the next thing that I had to do. I had to make. Um, I spent a lot of time not being aware of my surroundings, not taking any time to, taking the time to breathe or um, to identify that breath, right? To see the things that were happening in the world around me. Um, I didn't, I wasn't, I'll say, uh, a great partner for those who I was in relationships with in the past. I wasn't a great, um, friend to those who I'm still friends with now, right? And also in the past. I think that the process of bringing plants in, this might sound a little uh, wild to some, but in the eight years since I've been bringing plants in to, into my life, I've become so much more of a, uh, I would say, a more zen-like individual, um, I can see, I identify the changes very easily now. I see when things are happening with individuals in my life that my words might help, right? Um, I identify or notice when my wife gets a haircut, <laughs> I notice when I have done something that my wife does not like um, because I have gone through the process of checking out deeply uh, the foliage of my plants and I've turned off the outside world when watering my plants or misting leaves. I've zoned into that sort of care and that has um, reflected itself in the care of the other living things in my life, whether that's my wife, my mom, my friends, my pets, right? So it's in it's in the the space wherever I'm in, I am in my home when surrounded by plants that I feel my more I guess my most complete self, and I can't. Um, I can't say that that'll happen for everyone, but I know for me it's it's been it's been life changing. It's 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 helped me uh, articulate my feelings better. <laughs> um, honestly, it's helped me understand who um, I am creatively, uh, 
And that's not just of someone who writes books about plant care, right? Like, I feel I've, I've become a more, and this also might have to do with me about to have a daughter, but I've become more, uh, I would say, emotional um, person that isn't afraid to uh, put it out there that my my self-care is important and to leave anything that is negative or that would make or break the happiness bubble that I have created for myself to separate myself from that. And it's through the process of uh, becoming a, a uh, lover of greenery that um, I discovered this, this individual. So I am very, uh, I'm very grateful that, um, it, it, it found me because I can't say I found it. It actually found me. I wasn't someone who grew up surrounded by plants. My grandmother, my mom, my grandfather, my cousins, my uncles. No one uh, put a plant in my face and said, let me come help me water this plant and let me talk to you about plant care. That never happened. I, um, I, I found it late in life and uh, I look forward to sharing, like I said earlier, when it comes to propagation, but I look forward to sharing my passion for plants with my daughter when she comes into the world and has the ability to understand what I'm saying. So uh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.